Welcome to Season 4, Episode 6 of the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. In this episode, I speak with the filmmakers of a documentary centered on the caregiving experience through a very raw lens. The trailer for Unseen, Why We're Failing Parent Caregivers and Why It Matters is powerful. In February 2022, producer-director Amanda Dyer, director-cinematographer Tom Dyer, and Jess Roney, associate producer and caregiver featured in the film, spent time talking to me about how this film came to be and what they hope others get out of the film. So, with that in mind, let's get started. Welcome, all of you. I have three guests today. They are the masterminds, the brainchilds, the filmmakers behind the documentary Unseen, How We're Failing Parent Caregivers and Why It Matters. Thank you all really and truly for joining us today. Thanks for having us. pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. So if you don't mind, can we do a little bit of a round robin? Could you each introduce yourselves to our listeners, please? Start. Yeah, I'll go first. I'm Jess Ronnie, also known as Jess Plus MS. I am an author, speaker, CEO of the Lucas Project, co-producer of Unseen, and podcast host, and mom of eight. It's kind of my claim to fame. So, And apparently I've become sort of the face of this documentary, which is very interesting and a little unnerving to me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amanda Dyer. I'm the director slash producer of Unseen. Uh, I'm Tom. I am Amanda's husband, and I am the other, the co-director of Unseen. Slash cinematographer. Slash where cinematographer. All the pretty, a lot of hats. Where all the pretty yeah. pictures came from. So I got a chance to look at this trailer and really take it in a couple of times. It's not for the faint of heart. This documentary is about caregivers of loved ones in need of significant medical support. What made you all decide to tackle on this issue through the realm of video storytelling? Yeah, when we first found out about this topic, so Tom and I don't have children or children with disabilities or anything, so we are total outsiders to this world or the life of parent caregivers. Um, And we just found out, uh, kind of discovered Jess and her family and started talking to some other parent caregivers as we were exploring this concept for a documentary. It just became clear immediately that this is such an important issue that is really being, and this is a group of people that's really being underserved and unseen in our communities in a lot of different ways. You know, our go-to is that visual you know, we're both creatives. We think that way. We think in pictures and stories it just seemed ripe to us to, to bring that story to the screen. And part of the challenge is that these families, people don't know what's going on behind closed doors with caregiving families. And the, the visual medium just seemed like the perfect way to open that door a crack and let people see what that reality is. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think uh, part of our conversation was, um, and, and usually is, is this is something that a lot of people don't experience and don't know about. 
how could we best bring that experience and that firsthand knowledge to them so that they can better understand it? That's that's one thing that made it a, a good opportunity for a, a documentary for a real look inside what a lot of these families are are living with and going through. Jess, you knew from the beginning that people needed to see it, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't have any problem living my life as a wide open book if it's if it's something that can change the world for the better, that's just kind of how I tick. And if, you know, on my deathbed, I can say I contributed a little bit to making the world a better place in some way, shape or form by opening my life up. I'm all about that. So it was a no brainer for me. I really connect with you on that level. When you said your life being an open book, I am first generation American from Nigerian parents and Unfortunately, once upon a time, not that long ago, if your child had a diagnosis that nowadays would be considered, um, you know, autism, neurodivergence, a disability, sometimes the child would be sent to, quote unquote, the village. So as far away as possible. So the title unseen really hit me personally. Why the title unseen from your perspectives? And what do you think societies as a whole, because I have one foot in the Nigerian community, obviously the American community, where you're from, how you grew up, what do you think society can do to rectify this so more people feel seen? When it comes to the title, we we brainstormed it quite a bit. And, you know, after we had done some of our interviews, we thought through what have people, what are the words people have said, what do they use to describe themselves? And that one word, we, you know, found, went through a lot of synonyms and different ways of looking at it, but unseen just kept coming back. We kept coming back to it because it just felt like so accurate in terms of what the underlying problem was that if this issue is going to continue to go unseen, nothing's ever going to change. And it can go unseen because this is mostly a home-based thing. You know, the caregiving goes on at home, behind closed doors. Families being unseen is leading to the lack of solutions and leading to the lack of awareness. So we just keep saying that people can't care about something they don't know about. So the first step is to make caregivers not be unseen, to make them seen and bring their stories out into the light so that people can, we can show more compassion to caregivers in all the different ways. The second part of your question there of what can we do to rectify this? Our our position was always, well, as outsiders coming into this, it's we don't want to be so bold as to say, hey, we have an answer for that. And so what we what we thought that we could offer was awareness. And so the first thing that that uh, the first step in in anything like that is knowledge and being aware of of what that is like. And so that was our main goal all along in in uh, telling these stories is just getting it in front of people and and letting people experience something that maybe they haven't experienced um, um, thus far. Mm-hmm. And then partnering yeah. with, oops, sorry, just say partnering oh, with okay. different organizations that do have ideas for solutions on different levels, whether that's individuals, institutions, organizations, government level, but using the documentary as a tool to, to form those partnerships so that we can translate the awareness into action that happens in our communities. You took the words right out of my mouth, man. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> I even was going to say it's, I mean, this, we wanted this to be a tool to 
basically instigate conversations. And we're already seeing that happening with our corporate partnerships who are sending this on to their national CEOs to have those conversations and even like nonprofits that have been dedicated to the child for, you know, the past 20 years are saying, oh, we didn't even realize we had never like came to our attention that maybe we should also focus on the caregiver because the child is only as healthy as the caregiver. So we're just really excited to see that these conversations are even occurring, you know, within these national organizations. Yeah. The child's tied to an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. The vacuum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if the caregiver is suffering or not, at, even just not at their best, how can they be expected to be providing the best care for the, for their loved one? Um, it just seems so obvious when you say it, but um, we've been very surprised to learn that they are just very often left out of the conversation, whether that's in healthcare realm or schools or government programs, whatever that looks like. It just seems that the caregivers have just not been brought into the equation. Oh, with that being said, knowing that traditionally, when if there is a focus at all, it is on the child, how did you approach families as a whole for this documentary? Jess, how did we approach you? <laughs> well, you I, think, <laughs> I think it's always sort of been in my mind. I was a caregiver for my late husband for three years who lost his battle with brain cancer in 2010. I then remarried and became a caregiver for eight children. And I'm a caregiver for my son, Lucas, who will turn 18 next August, and he will require total care for the rest of his life. So this has been like swirling around in my mind for a while. Like, why isn't there any focus on the caregiver? I mean, I was drowning during my late husband's battle with brain cancer. I was drowning with eight kids. I was drowning with my son and nobody cared about me. Like it's always been like the focus on everybody else, but I can't focus on everybody else. I can't give them my best if I'm not operating at an optimal level. So once I think I started to write about it publicly and as my audience grew like on Facebook and Instagram and my blog, I think it gave permission to other caregivers to say, oh yeah, what about me? Like, why isn't anybody worried about me? Cause I'm not doing very well. And then, you know, the national landscape with the media and everything too, with these caregivers who reach, reach their bottom point. And we hear these horrific stories eventually about how they take matters into their own hands and do something awful to either themselves or their child. And then we all gasp in horror, like what a horrible person, but how long did they live without any support or resources or community or mental health? you know, awareness to get to that point where they felt like that was their only solution. So I think that's, that's what led into even Tom and Amanda being able to contact these caregivers was that that dialogue had, had been started just through very vulnerable writings that I was putting out there. Yeah. And we were surprised to learn how many caregivers feel like they can't be truthful about their experience um, just from like fear of judgment they'll get or like backlash from the community um, or just feeling like they, you know, can't be truthful about the hard parts without, you know, getting that judgment. And that just really fueled us to, you know, we, we wanted to empower the the caregivers that did feel like they could share and be honest and, and give more details about their experience. And for those that didn't feel comfortable 
with that openness yet, this is a way for them to still invite people into their stories without them having to share any personal details. So with that in mind, as you're looking at what you would like the end product to look like, the impact you want to make, what type of considerations did you make as you're editing, as you're filming in the first place? What scenes did you want to make sure that the audience saw and why? Start off on a project like this, it's a lot of times it's very hard to, to have an end product or an end goal in, in mind that is very clear, at least. And so going into this, we knew, um, we knew that that was going to be a little open-ended, but we always did know intentionally that we wanted to be very honest and very raw and to go places that maybe some people uh, are not maybe emotionally excited to go and just uh, show these families and these situations in as true a light as we could. The, the film is very heavy and, and that is intentional, partially because, you know, a lot of these topics are very heavy, but also we just knew that if we really wanted to get people's attention and get them to dig into this, we had to let them experience some of the heavier moments that, that these families and these individuals do experience. And so that was a big goal was to not, not put a bow uh, on anything really, because not every day ends with a bow on it, uh, for, for a lot of these families and a lot of these individuals. And so that was, that was a big part. That was something that we were, we were focused on from the beginning. Yeah. And there was, we quickly uncovered that there were so many different topics and angles related to this, that it was tricky to decide like how to narrow it down into what we wanted to focus on. So I think we, we did that. We made those decisions, and, you know, hopefully the right ones that will spur the right conversations. But we we did go, you know, had a lot of discussions internally about what felt right to share in terms of, uh, you know, the, the situation that we were inside the Ronnie's home with things going on and, you know, kids coming and going and, and getting in the middle of their lives. So we were constantly kind of evaluating, like, what is respectful to share and, gives an accurate picture of what the caregiving experience is like. Where do we draw the line of privacy and in, in respecting, you know, family and and what needs to be just between them. So it was a, it was a constant we we definitely had that as a concern the whole time through. But, you know, we felt like if we didn't show some of the difficult bits that people might not understand the full issues at hand. Jess was super brave, the whole family was to open up their story to us. Um, be willing to share the hard parts and and the, and the good parts too, but it was a it was a team effort for sure to kind of figure out where those lines were. Yeah, and that was an initial concern of mine too, like the dignity. I mean, this is my family, and re- or in keeping my son Lucas's dignity throughout the whole process as well. But I have to say, like they included me in every step of the way, so I can absolutely say today that I am extremely proud and 100% behind what we've created. And I feel like it is an accurate portrayal and a universal portrayal of of what a lot of parent caregivers go through. And I sure hope it changes the world. (laughs) That's That's the goal, that that little tiny goal. (laughs) Right. Just a little tiny goal. (laughs) 
I just started on my public advocacy journey, I want to say maybe 2019. And there's something about the moment you decide and make the choice to be vulnerable. It's hard, but I can only imagine what you've done because you've been doing it much longer than me. But the, the payback, and I don't mean in dollars, just the emotional payback, it's it's a it truly is a, a, a beautiful thing. And I think a good segue into that. Jess is moving into one of your 17 jobs. You mentioned nonprofit CEO of the Lucas Project. For those that don't know, could you please let my listenership know what the Lucas Project is, how it ties to the film, and how it just ties into the rest of your life? Started the Lucas Project in 2017 after my husband landed in ER a couple of times with panic attacks that resembled heart attacks, basically just from the anxiety and stress and isolation of living our life. And Lucas was going through puberty, which brought out a lot of aggression and behaviors that we just were not very well equipped to deal with. And I just thought, you know, if we're going through this and we're in such desperate need of a break, other people also have to be in desperate need of a break and just decided one day to start a nonprofit. And that's kind of how I operate, filled out the paperwork and sent it off and opened a respite chapter and didn't even have like liability insurance or anything. So thankfully (laughs) nobody sued me or, (laughs) but we operated that very successfully for a year. And then we decided to move covid hit and we kind of had to redefine what respite was going to look like because we couldn't offer that in person. And we're still, that's still kind of a, a, we're still kind of trying to figure out what that's going to look like moving forward. But today our mission is to provide recognition and respite for special needs caregivers. And the recognition portion is like the documentary. And we're hopeful that we can continue to fund documentaries in the future that touch on issues that caregivers go through. And then my podcast, Coffee with Caregivers, and then the respite portion, which we send care packages to special needs families around the nation, just to say, we see you, we see what you're doing. We deliver gift baskets to mamas in ICU with their children. And then we provide respite grants for communities interested in starting respite where they are. And we'll just see where this documentary takes us. I'm really excited to see how many communities we can help in the future and how many documentaries we can create as well. I think it'll be really fun. Where can people watch the film? When does it come out? First in-person premiere is going to be in Grand Rapids, Michigan on April 24th. And that one's hosted by the Lucas Project. So if, you, if you're in the area, that will be the first <laughs> chance. If you don't happen to be in Grand Rapids or thereabouts, are right now shooting for May to be our online premiere. Um, so that will be where everybody can have access to it, see it for the first time. That's really exciting. It's coming up. It sounds far away, but it, sound, it feels shorter <laughs> from this mm-hmm. side of things. And then we are also in the process of setting up private screenings. Um, with companies, nonprofits, organizations, any other like parent groups that are that either serve caregivers or are connected to caregivers in some way. So if any of your listeners are affiliated with some group like that or a company that relates to this topic, we would love to have them reach out and talk, uh, start a conversation about hosting their own screening of the film with their audiences as well. And our website is caregiverdocdoc.com. And that's where you can find out 
all the upcoming information. If you subscribe to our emails or follow our social media, you'll be sure to know about all the different opportunities to watch. And there's also our email and forms and things if you want to get in touch. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share and subscribe. If you are interested in the genesis of the podcast, particularly the reasons why this podcast came to be, check out season one in its entirety. I've also decided to share parts of our story in written form through a monthly column titled The Caregiver's Chronicles. If you're interested, you could check it out at psychcentral.com. That's psychcentral.com, a division of Healthline Media. You can also follow us on social media at, at Not Your Mama's Autism on Instagram and at Not Your Mama's Autism on Facebook. See you soon. Not Your Mama's Autism podcast is hosted and written by my mom, Lila Dada Ali, and it's also co-written and produced by me, Fella Ali. My dad, little sister Alero, and I are all occasional contributors. My dad, Tosin Ali, also helps produce sometimes. Big thanks to my aunt, Wolani Williams Ali, who did our graphic design. See you guys soon.